Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today we're doing a slightly different podcast because we're doing it over Skype rather than face-to-face, and I'm doing it with lovely Liz Earle, who has kindly agreed to talk to me late on a Sunday evening, because we want to talk about the last couple of days that's gone mad in the media um, over this new HRT and menopause um, research, I suppose, that's come out and hit, hit the headlines hard. So hi, Liz. Hello, really nice to talk to you. This is the first one I've done over Skype. Yes, it's a bit weird not being able to see you IRL in real life, as my children say, but um, let's see how it goes. You know, this is topical and we've just got to jump on it and have this chat, haven't we? Absolutely. So um, the first I heard about this was on Wednesday night, but it was all embargoed. I heard more on Thursday and read this article that came out in The Lancet, which is a really important, really good journal. Um, And I was really quite surprised and disappointed, actually, to see that it had been published. When did you hear about it? I woke up basically on the Friday morning to headlines, Mm. um, like, people just check my news apps and my heart sank and I thought oh my goodness what is this obviously jumped on everybody's social media that I respect people like you and Professor Baum and lots of other leading menopause experts who are at the cutting edge of all of this very quickly realized that it wasn't new research it's just a study looking it's an epidemiological study so there's no kind of cause or effect there's no it's not a randomized controlled trial There's no news here, really. And again, like you, I just thought, my goodness, how disappointing that somebody like the Lancet. And I think also putting into perspective where it's come from, it was based on, uh, I gather, quite a sensationalist press release put out by a cancer charity, which is, it's just so disappointing not to put the whole facts down and just to grab the headlines. And again, we know, as people who work a lot in the media in this area, that the news editors and the online news providers know that if you mention HRT, it's clickbait. You know, mm. you will get higher viewing figures, you'll get higher ratings, you'll get more online clicks. And it's obviously very tempting for these types of news providers and broadcasters to think, great, you know, this is a, a ratings winner story. We can sensationalize it without realizing the devastation of damage that it will do to real women's lives long after they've moved on and gone on to another news story. Well, yes, because for them, it's forgotten the next day, but this won't be forgotten by lots of women. And I mean, I know we're both very open that we both um, use and take HRT, but whenever I read something in the media, I do stop and think, oh, should I take my patch off? What should I do? Because you you read it and you're up, up you're quickly aren't you re- skimming the headlines and you think goodness me this this sounds t- dreadful um, and then for me as a doctor I'm thinking gosh what do I say to my patients and 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 it's it's difficult because you know as a GP GPs are really busy they're really time poor um, there's a lot in the media um, at the moment about the HRT shortage which we might mention in a bit but yes. so they're getting um, a lot of uh, queries from women who were otherwise quite stable on HRT because they can't get their HRT 
And now it's it, it, people are saying, gosh, HRT causes breast cancer. We need to stop it. We need to reduce the dose. Um, and that's not actually quite true, is it? And like you say, this is from a, it's not from a randomized control study. So a randomized control study is when women or, or, or men, whoever is in the study, take a product and they take a placebo and then they follow them up over, over several years and look to see the cause and effect. So as you say, this is a review of, it's actually a review of published and unpublished data in the past. Um, and that even looking at unpublished data, you can argue, is that a good thing or not? Because is there a reason why it's not being published? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So, I mean, un unpublished data is usually unpublishable. And it hasn't so, been peer reviewed. It isn't robust enough to make it into a good academic journal. So to lump that in with, with previous potentially credible data is is quite disturbing that even an epidemiologist should choose to take that route because you have to think what is the agenda here and as i understand it the statisticians here are the same statisticians that produced the study several years ago that was widely discredited so yeah, millions of women study it was called which which you know sounded good because it had big numbers, million women, but it was a, a questionnaire study and there was lots of bias in it. And it's a bit like um, you know, asking you what you had for breakfast two days ago. You might or you might not remember, or you might be truthful or not truthful on the form. Yeah. And um it's it doesn't prove a cause and effect. It it um, shows there might be an association, but that's very different to um a cause and effect, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, looking at the cancer charities, for example, I've been doing a lot of research recently looking at how protective HRT can be with bowel cancer, for example. Mm -hmm. Bowel cancer is in the headlines at the moment. The rates are dramatically increasing. You know, I would have thought that a, a cancer charity would have been more interested in putting out a news story to say, isn't it extraordinary how HRT, we know it protects against heart disease and dementia and type 2 diabetes and osteoporosis and all these other things one of the other little known benefits is protecting women from bowel cancer yes and, and I always tell my patients because we go through the benefits and potential risks of taking HRT and and hardly any of them know about bowel cancer uh, reduction risk and some studies have shown it's as, as reduces as much as 30 percent which is really, um, really good because that, that is a headline that is you know forget the potential two percent mm. uplift risk in breast cancer which is disputed mm. a 30 percent reduction in bowel cancer that mm. is that's a major it should be a major headline shouldn't well, it yes and I think I mean we can talk a bit more about the risk but I think we need to think about why women are taking HRT because everyone thinks those three letters are associated with breast cancer um and you know I say to all my patients one in seven women their lifetime risk of breast cancer is one in seven so one in seven women taking HRT are going to get breast cancer but one in seven not taking HRT are also going to get breast cancer yeah. so yeah. that means there's going to be a lot of women taking HRT that are going to get breast cancer and that's not because it, the HRT has caused it. Yes, so this yes. is really important, isn't it? Because I, I'm sure you do. I certainly, most days on my Instagram, to say, well, I'm never going to take HRT because my mother took it and a week later she developed breast cancer. Mm. Well, it doesn't occur that quickly. Breast cancer, it, it, the changes that occur in the breast take a long time to develop into a breast cancer. 
as you say, one in seven women are going to get it on HRT and one in seven women are going to get it not on HRT. So absolutely. Um, and I think with this, even with this study, even if you take these figures as gospel, it's not showing there's an increased risk of death from breast cancer. Um, and I think that's really important for the media, for women, for doctors to know as well. Uh, there's never been a study to show there's an increased risk of death from breast cancer. And we know around 20% of women die with breast cancer, not from breast cancer. So when they've done autopsies on women in their 70s, 80s, a lot of women have breast cancer, like indeed a lot of men have prostate cancer, but it doesn't kill them. So, you know, it's it's one of the things that's often discussed when I go to menopause conferences is, um, is it that these women are being picked up earlier? Because a lot of women are more breast aware when they're on HRT. So Mm -hmm. are they just picking up a breast cancer earlier that they would have not noticed if they hadn't been so breast aware, if they weren't taking HRT? That's really interesting. Well, I, I learned a lot about breast cancer recording my two podcasts with Professor Michael Baum. Yes, which are well worth a listen if anyone oh, has. Well, you know, he. I mean, I have to go back and re-listen to lots of information in them. So much in there, and for anybody listening that that isn't aware of Professor Baum, he is a global breast cancer expert. He did the original trials on tamoxifen. He was a senior breast cancer surgeon at the Royal Marsden and many other places. He lectures globally. You know, there is very little that this man does not know. It's his life's work has been to help women with breast cancer. And he is passionately in favour of HRT. Yes, and, what's interesting is he watched his mother die from breast cancer. Yeah. Um, and that's really triggered him to think about the whole person, not just breast cancer. And he's got a daughter, Katie, who you've met, who so he, he's very aware of breast cancer. Um I mean his aged daughter on onto HRT. Absolutely. And I don't know if you saw their interview. They did an interview together on um, uh, Sky, uh, Sky television, yes. Yes, which was incredible. And I wrote, wrote some notes, actually, which are on, I've just put on the news section on my uh, Menopause Doctor website so anyone can go to and look because it's his interpretation of this Lancet publication, which is worth a read. And he even mentioned the word irresponsible. He said it was irresponsible reporting, which I think <laughs> is... That is that is quite strong. And I, I now follow him on Twitter. Mm. And I don't like Twitter very much because it can be quite no. shouty. Yes. There's a lot of shouting going on over there. But what is good about Twitter is that you do get a lot of academics and yes. senior researchers and they put links up. The, the one mm. good thing I think about Twitter is it's linkable. So mm. he share a lot of research papers and views and I think even his clip from Sky is, is actually on it Twitter is, if anybody yes. wants to go and have a look and you can download it and uh, and hear it for yourself. Yes and I, I think it's it is important because um I, I don't know if you read the press release that came out with the Lancet article and it was not great and the problem is with the actual article is it's very wordy it's very complicated I'm not clever enough to understand it all and most doctors would take a few days to really absorb it and reflect and consider what all the information in this study means and so for um, I'm not being disrespectful for journalists but they're not scientists um, no, and for them to, their time pressured to get a story out quickly yeah 
Um, so that hasn't helped. But let's go back a bit. And because I did mention a bit earlier about why women take HRT. So clearly we don't take it to increase our risk of breast cancer, do we? So <laughs> most of us take it because we have symptoms affecting the quality of our lives. And as you know, the symptoms vary. They vary with time. They vary between women. And um, as you also know, a lot of women don't recognise their symptoms to be related to the menopause, do they? I think that's that's so interesting. You know, I, I was actually reading the article that you did for The Telegraph this weekend oh, yes. saying that the numbers of women that you see in your clinic who've been misdiagnosed Absolutely. with fibromyalgia because yeah. they see rheumatoid specialists, mm. migraines, they've seen neurologists, depression, they've seen psychiatrists and psychiatric help, cardiologists are treating them for palpitations and an increased heart rate, urologists are treating them for bladder infections, I've yes. had women who've had tinnitus who've been in audio yeah. clinics, and yeah. all of these are symptoms of menopause which you can ease. And when I look back on my own history, you know, I went through my mid to late 40s. I used to get terrible, debilitating headaches. Mm. And it was a stressful time for me. We were selling the beauty company. I was living on airplanes and working really hard. And I just thought I was stressed. I just thought that I, you know, overworking and I would take painkillers, but they wouldn't touch it. And I, my hearing began to go. I used to get side effects. I used to get tinnitus. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, am I going to end up with this lifelong hearing complaint? And I used to get lots of pelvic infections. I had recurrent UTIs. I was on lots of antibiotics. I didn't never clicked, never joined the dots. And did any doctor ever talk to you about your hormones? No, absolutely not. You know, and I just thought, well, I'm not in my menopause because I still have periods. Nobody had even talked to me about perimenopause. I didn't even understand the word. And I've written about health and well-being for 30 years. And I still didn't understand. It's what incredible, it was. isn't it? As a female who's super educated, you know, you're always up to date with the evidence, but you hadn't, it wasn't in your on your radar at all, was it? Not at all. I mean, I've had five children. So I've had five sets of gynecologists, obstetricians, midwives, health visitors, GPs, all the rest of it. Nobody at any stage said to me, you know, oh, by the way, Liz, you know, when you get into your 40s, you're likely to experience all sorts of changes in your body, you know, achy joints, headaches, you might get hot flushes, you might not. And these are all signs of declining estrogen, not to mention all the mental side effects, you know, the the women, the number of women on antidepressants, because it's with low mood and rage and anxiety and actually antidepressants are just going to numb you they're not going to top up yes. estrogen receptors in your brain and actually help you no so, and a lot of women know they're not depressed you know the women that come and see me they say look I've got low mood I've got reduced motivation I'm not sleeping well I'm very tearful I'm very anxious but I know I'm not depressed and some yeah. of these women have had clinical depression before so they really know the difference and um and like you say they antidepressants just numb women one lady told me recently my clinic that she'd crashed her car but she didn't care because she was on antidepressants and she said I'm just nothing affects me anymore and that's that's bad you need to have emotions we all need to have emotions so um uh but but yeah like you say people we we're not educated enough to know um and it's great the campaign with diane danderbrook the hashtag make menopause matter campaign is great because we've managed to to get 
uh, menopause education into secondary schools. But I think I know you've seen the Green Clementeric questionnaire, you know, this idea of my clinic, which has mm-hmm. a lot of questions about symptoms. And I feel if every woman in their 40s and younger, if they're experiencing symptoms or have had a operation to their, remove their ovaries, for example, are given that questionnaire, it, it might ring some bells, mightn't it, and make people think, think about hormones. That that would be the most fantastic health benefit for women if because I you know when I hit 50 I got my call in for a mammogram and routine screenings and all of this you know once you hit 50 it triggers something well wouldn't it be amazing if once we hit the age of 45 Mm. um, again it was reviewed you know every two years perhaps until our mid-50s we're just given this questionnaire yeah, well, uh, one of the things when I've been at meetings at the Department of Health that we're trying to get would be to, for every woman to fill it out when they have their smear test because mm-hmm. they're seeing a healthcare professional then. If the nurse said to them, well, have your periods been changing at all in nature or frequency? And if they say yes, then, oh, would you like to fill out this questionnaire? Yeah. And you can pick up women early because, mm-hmm. as you know, it's when we pick up women early, obviously it's if we can help them, it will reduce the severity of their symptoms. But also, if we pick it up early um, and they start HRT, then it, then um, it reduces their future risk of all these conditions we've talked about, such as heart disease, osteoporosis, diabetes, etc. It's it, it just needs to be more joined up, doesn't it? You, you look at the cost of pelvic fractures and hip replacements alone from osteoporosis. And that's running into hundreds of millions. And that's oh, just yeah. one of the conditions. That's just osteoporosis. That's not mental health, heart disease, diabetes, you know, all the other things that uh, that can be helped. I mean, we would be saving the NHS a fortune, not to mention improving the quality of life and yes. the benefits. And we are living longer as women. We're expected to work longer. Our pensionable age is going up. And the cost of business, I, I talk a lot mm-hmm. um, in the business community about keeping senior women yes. in work and able to work, feeling able to work. And I know you've done a lot of work with the police force in, in retaining senior, valuable women who yeah, don't. Absolutely. And people, people don't recognise it. Um, you know, the, one, some, one of the studies we did showed that 25% of, of women in the police have given up work and um, 78%, so the vast majority of menopause yeah. women had had symptoms that had interfered with their ability to work. Um, and it's it's shocking because it's very easy. If you're pregnant, you can go into work and say, oh, I feel really tired, I've had a bad night's sleep, and people will sympathise and empathise with you. But that mm-hmm. doesn't happen when you're menopausal and it, it people just laugh often don't they they don't read. and you're, you're reticent you know it, it mm-hmm. I'm quite vocal as you know and you know my Instagram now is full of menopause information um but I have to admit that even just a couple of years ago I didn't particularly want to talk about it no. I felt even associating myself with the word menopause was automatically categorizing myself as mm. old and past it in some way and yes. uh, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that that reflected who I am as a woman. I mean, I feel, especially now I'm on HRT, you know, I feel very vibrant and active. Mm. I feel better in my 50s than I did in my 40s, no question. Mm. And 
I've decided to put my head above the parapet because I just feel I have a strong sense of injustice that's being yeah. done to life women. And we tend to be the caregivers. We are the ones who give birth to children. We are often the care providers in homes, often having to hold down jobs as well and look after elderly patients, parents. And mm-hmm. I, and we are just being shortchanged. We're being let down. And I, I, I just feel a burning sense of injustice and we need to to work to um just to save the sisterhood you know to really no I think so I mean we we've both you know the stories that we read on on Instagram the stories that I hear in my clinic every day just make me want to cry and weep because I feel it's disgusting that women aren't allowed to be given the right treatment and and we're not here saying HRT is the only treatment or the best treatment. Um, certainly holistic care is key. And as as you know and practice, you know, eating healthily, sleeping well, exercising is really important uh, for us, even more so when we're menopausal. But often replacing those hormones is really the missing link. Um, and I've, I've certainly been sort of talking to some of my colleagues and talking to the people at the Royal College of GPs recently about even thinking about changing the term menopause because menopause just really is meaning the symptoms um there's so much stigma and taboo with it and it should be thought of as a female hormone deficiency syndrome because it lasts forever so even if you are having no symptoms or your hot flushes had improved you still got the effects of low hormones in your body which is what a lot of people don't realize i think um, we've all heard women who say they're going to battle through their symptoms and they'll come out the other side as a stronger, more empowered woman. But that you can't replace those hormones that your body isn't making. No. So you, you may feel that you are a strong, empowered woman, but actually your inner fragility and your risk factors for so many yes. diseases that we simply can't control will be greatly increased because we don't have the estrogen. And it's very interesting, this study, obviously one of the new things, or probably the only new thing that it talked about, was the risks, increased risk potentially of women who come off HRT Mm -hmm. 10 Mm. years. Well, I think you would probably say, don't come off it. Yeah, and I think this this is a shame because I'm getting a lot of emails at the moment from my colleagues, nurses and doctors saying, oh, what do we tell patients? Because it's saying that the increased risk of breast cancer continues um, up to 10 years after stopping HRT. But as you know, the guidelines are very clear and they're not going to change because of this um, paper that women can continue to take HRT as long as the benefits outweigh the risks. And women need to have an annual review. So every year we talk to women, we look at their benefits, we look at their risks and discuss whether the benefits outweigh the risks and whether they can continue HRT. And the vast majority of women can, um, because as you know, the risk of clot isn't there if they have the estrogen through the skin and the natural progesterone if they need a progesterone. Um, And because of the benefits for their hearts, for their brains, for their bones, and also for their their symptoms, usually people carry on. The other thing that wasn't mentioned in this paper, which you might know, is that if a woman stops taking HRT, studies have shown in that first year, those women have an increased risk of stroke and heart attack by about 30%. So it's actually quite dangerous to stop taking HRT, which why why would that don't realise 
We don't know. And we know that estrogen is, is very anti-inflammatory. So we know it, obviously, it's anti-inflammatory in our joints. That's why it stops muscle aches and pains. But it's anti-inflammatory in our endothelium, which is the lining of our blood vessels. Um, and because it, it produces all sorts of cytokines and chemicals to damp down any inflammation, so reduce atheroma and, and the furring of the arteries, we think it might be sort of like a rebound effect. So when you stop the estrogen, every, all those chemicals that have been suppressed sort of go a bit wild. We don't know, but that's a very simplistic way of explaining it, but yeah, it sort of would make sense. So um, so actually, we used to say, take HRT for the shortest length of time, for the lowest dose, and we don't anymore because you have to have adequate estrogen to reduce this risk of heart disease and osteoporosis um, and because we can take it in the long term. And, and um, as I mentioned to you before we went on air, that there's already a warning from the MHRA saying we should talk to women about HRT, consider reducing their dose. And this is, this is really worrying me as a doctor because there's no good evidence to to support that statement. Um, and I also found out there isn't a menopause expert who's an advisor at the moment to the MHRA, um, which is very disappointing. How um, can they put out statements without an advisor? Well, this is what I'm trying to find out because it's very easy to, it's very easy to sit in um, your office writing things about HRT or about any medication, but actually it's very different when you're sitting in a clinic and you're listening to stories. And I strongly feel, and I know you agree, is that women should be given a choice. Um, mm-hmm. We make a choice about every time we go in a car or an aeroplane or just going on a bicycle, there is a risk that we might crash. Um, and no one's telling us that we can't do this. And the other thing is, even with this study, it's very interesting when you look at other risk factors for breast cancer. So as you alluded to, this study showed approximately a 2% increase if you're taking combined HRT and you're above the age of 50. But if you're obese and you're over the age of, the, over the age of 50, then you've got about a 20% increased risk of breast cancer. Um, and about... Um, a three or four times increased risk if you um, have a low fiber um, intake in your diet or you don't exercise. So these are risk factors for breast cancer, but it's not hitting the the front lines of the papers that women who are obese or like you said before, women who drink sugary drinks have an increased risk. I looked at that paper mm. um, out in the beginning of the summer and that shows just 100 mils, which is a small glass of any sugary drink. So we're looking at fizzy drinks, um, even juice. Because that has say, a orange juice, glass of orange juice. In the yeah, water. glass of orange juice increases your risk of cancer by 18%. Mm. Now, that is really quite staggering. I mean, I, I try and avoid, you know, I mean, I don't drink fizzy drinks. I might have a bit of tonic in my gin, but that's kind of about as far as it goes. Uh, but I know a lot of people are drinking serious mm-hmm. amounts of, of juice and smoothies, even even these you know, fairly healthy sounding things with the high sugar content. And that is significantly increasing our cancer risk. And I think for me, I will never not take HRT because of the protective benefits. I mean, I obviously feel so much better on it and I can function better. My everything is better. My, my mm-hmm. 
is better. I have more joy. I'm I'm more energetic. I anybody who can see on my Instagram, I'm now doing you know 50 push-ups in the morning. I'm stronger. I'm fitter, yes. and that has been made possible by putting the estrogen back into my bones. And I know that I'm protecting my heart. Uh, I've got a, a 30, 50% reduced risk of coronary mm-hmm. heart. My bones are stronger. I was talking to um, an orthopedic surgeon not long ago who said that he can absolutely tell on the operating theatre when he's doing hip replacements or or fracture repairs, the women that have been taking HRT because women who don't take it, their bones, you know, under the under the knife are like a crunchy bar. You know, they're like honey. you know, you can see that from the inside. And that's that's really quite chilling to think that, that all that damage is going on inside that we're not aware of, simply because we're, we're losing our oestrogen. Mm. I mean, it, as you know, oestrogen gets all over our bodies. And um, um, and I think it's really important for women to to know, like you say, um, even if this you you the study was a randomized control study and even if it showed this increased risk most of my patients would absolutely still carry on taking hrt um, because they know the bigger picture Um, and i think this is what's really really important i think uh, my sort of big message really is that women should be given evidence-based non-biased information they should not be listening to what their neighbours or what someone on Twitter or social media has told them. They need to balance and think about the risks and benefits for themselves, don't they? We're all individuals um, and we need to consider ourselves as individuals when we when we think about taking HRT. And we just need to get that information out there. And it, it does seem like rolling a big spoon up a hill sometimes because yes. we are combating the fact that our GPs are not trained. So mm. they're not us the information. Even it seems that the the government advisory people are not getting the right information across. The right people are not advising them. And even when you get your HRT, you then read the leaflet. You know, I actually read the other day the leaflet that comes in my estrogen cell. And it said, don't take it. Don't use this if you have a history of DVT and thrombosis. And I thought, well, that's completely wrong. No, I mean, I've taken that up with the MHRA and I have got another meeting coming up soon about this because what they do with a with a patient with a patient information leaflet. So even if you buy paracetamol, there's lots of warnings and they add to it when something comes up. But they've never actually looked at having a policy for removing things. So, as you know, tablet oestrogen has a very small risk of clot. So they have grouped it for all oestrogens. But we know now that oestrogen through the skin with a patch or gel, there's no increased risk of clot. But they've never taken that bit out of the patch or gel. Leaflet, and that's just so shocking, which, isn't it? I, I get comments on questions you know, on my Instagram all the time from women mm-hmm. saying, you said it was fine in your, you know, e-guide to HRT. You said it was fine for me, uh, you know, to talk to my GP and it would be fine if, if I had a history of thrombosis. I've got the medication now and it clearly says that I can't take it if I've got a history of thrombosis yeah. or clot. And then I have to write back and say, yeah, actually, that information is not correct. I'm, I'm not a medic. It's, it's the yeah. job of the person who's actually providing that. I mean, that is misrepresentation of, of an important drug. But the problem is, is that as a GP, when we prescribe through the computer, all the information is linked to those warnings. So if I try or if I prescribe a patch of oestrogen, it will still pop up saying risk of clot. So so that is not helping to educate doctors. What is it? Because, you know, unless you're a menopause specialist, you don't know. 
you you just don't know and you're going to be your patient maybe educated maybe saying actually I've read about it I've, see, I've read all the research the studies it's fine and the GP will say well I'm sorry computer says no you know Absolutely. It says that really so, of, yeah so this is something else we need to, it needs to address there's a lot that we need to do <laughs> I mean do you sometimes despair because it's every day Every day I bang my head against the wall and my husband's sick of me just saying, what's going on? But well, I, 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 I spent my entire day on Friday firefighting on, on my Instagram and just replying to every comment because I felt it was really important mm. that mm. we had. Then I went to a drinks party uh, yesterday, Saturday night, and literally every woman I spoke to, because they heard me, heard me on the, the World at One on Radio yes, 4, they said, and they were all saying, oh, my goodness, I'm so worried. I'm so nervous about this. And, and I you know, spent the entire evening talking to, um, to women saying, actually, this is, this, is the, this is the truth and this is the evidence and these are the facts. You, know, you yes. don't have to take the for it. This is where you can go. These are the medics you can go and talk to and look up. But tell me, while I've got you here, I'm going to turn the table slightly. What is it with this HRT shortage? What is going on and how worried should we be? We don't need to worry. Um, With the HRT shortage, just very briefly, some types of HRT, there's a manufacturing problem. A lot of it seems to be the older types of tablet, which is a combination of estrogen and an older progestogen, um, that they can't, they're having problems making. But actually, those women really, if they are taking tablet estrogen as a combination, it's a good time to maybe think about changing to a, a patch or a gel of the estrogen with a natural progesterone. So I think that's quite good, although it is creating a lot of work. I realise that. Now, there are some patches that have gone out of stock, and that's because of increased demand um, and I think probably some of our work has contributed to that so um, um, I, I heard that some of the patches there was a brand that was recalled because the adhesive it wasn't yeah, sticking to the yeah some some of them and but they've come back in stock now um, right. we we're going to test them next week actually just to <laughs> see how sticky they are before we give them out to to our patients but um But there Um, are other patches available. And I've been speaking to the Department of Health most days last week. um, And they're working really hard, actually, with the drug companies to to try and rectify this. The oestrogen gel is still widely available. They're pooling on some of their global stock and European stock to get more in stock for the UK. And the micronized progesterone, again, it's the same company that make that in the oestrogen gel pump. Um, They've got plenty of that in stock as well. For those women that use testosterone, as you know, uh, the, the safest way of having testosterone is th- the Androfem, which is available from Australia, and there's no supply problem that uh, right. with that. Some women are finding that even these types they can't get from their local chemist, um, and yep. that's sometimes just because some local chemists aren't used to prescribing or, or dispensing, sorry, in large numbers. So then mm-hmm. they should try to go maybe more centrally with an online pharmacy or go to a bigger branch of a um, pharmacy. So um, right. I have got an article on, on my website about it that people can go to, and I'm updating it as soon as I get more information. So it's actually not as bad. I'm not sure how much Brexit. There was something in the paper today about lots of medication not being available um, because of Brexit, which is a real, real concern. So we've Mm. just got to keep listening about that, really. Yeah, and just make sure that you've got your prescription up to date. Although, of course, now, sadly, with these headlines, many women may not be going back to renew their prescription, which is a, a tragedy. 
Well, I hope after listening to this, they might change their mind. So we've come to the end, but I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but traditionally at the end of my podcast, I, I ask the uh, person that I'm interviewing three take-home messages. And I know we're not really, I'm not yes. really interviewing you because we're chatting together, but I'm going to put you on the spot, Liz, and okay. say, from what you've learned over the last few days about this study, what are the three take-home messages that you would give to women and men listening about HRT? Well, I think the first thing is to say, you know, don't believe everything you see in the headlines. You do have to do research and go behind that. Um, headlines are very often clickbait and sensationalism. Um, mm. so that's, that's the first message. Don't yeah. panic. Um, so the HRT, I'm not panicking about it. Um, the only thing it's done is make me even more enraged and even more determined to get this message out there to help mm. the injustice that's being done to midlife women. I think it's really important to read up on the subject and there are some fantastic people out there like yourself, like Diane Danzebrink, like Michael Baum. There are just so many good experts and we need people like you to be doing what you're doing. And the more we can do to support you guys, the better, because you're the medics, you're at the sharp end. I mean, I'm just a researcher and a writer, so I'm just, you know, really, you know, I'm somebody who's just sort of on, on the journey, really relaying all this good, good stuff that you experts are putting out. Um, and I think really look at every other symptom that you might have. It's not just all about hot flushes. Absolutely. You know, if, if I've never had a hot flush. And yet mm. my quality of life overall has been improved mm. so much, so greatly. And just one little story that I'll leave you with. My mother was on HRT for many years. And she came off it in her early 70s just because her GP said, oh, I think actually it's time, you know, you, you stop now. And I had done so much research into the benefits and long term health benefits, you know, things like dementia, osteoporosis, things that really hit you in your older years. And so as her 80th birthday present, <laughs> I encouraged her to go back on to HRT and it did take three doctors and it was the third doctor who was actually able to prescribe it to her, uh, for her. And I spoke to her recently and I said, how's it going, mum? And she said, well, she said, oh, no, not, not really much different. You know, I feel great. But actually, I don't get up five times a night now. And I said, what, what do you mean five times a night you were getting up? And she said, oh, yes, I just took, you know, potter off to the loo five times a night. I said, that is an absolute shocker because we know that for your mental health and for dementia, you need good sleep. Absolutely. So I am so thrilled that my 80 year old and she is going to stay on it till her Brilliant. dying thing so that that's my lasting message for everybody listening well I think that's a good message because it's also showing that if you don't get what you want or you think you should um, receive from the first healthcare professional you see you keep trying until you get what you think you deserve to be persuaded because she mm -hmm. went first of all to her local GP and maybe she's of that generation where if your GP says no you just accept it and go away mm. and I said let's go and see a different GP so she went to a different GP who also said no and I mm -hmm. said mm, no I think we need to go and see a specialist who of course said yes yes so it just shows so oh well thank you ever so much for your time Liz on a Sunday night sure. um, but I hope <laughs> this has been really useful for many women out there who have been worried about the last few days um, in the media so thank you ever so much pleasure see you soon for more information about the menopause please visit our website www.menopausedoctor.co.uk